are so many confusing time elements in this movie that I do not understand. Most of them center around the word crunk. Oh, yeah, that's very (laughs) – that is very – look, there's a lot of this movie where they were very of the moment, right? Like you would think it's a movie set in the future. They're trying to think what the future is like. No, 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 no. A lot of it was like what's happening right now. For instance, an entire soundtrack that was uh, inspired by garage music, right? Like the the Craig David, like hi-hats and and fast beats. Right. Every song. Every single song. Craig David is the future. I watched the trailer for this movie after I watched the movie. Uh huh. Which may be a fun thing for me to start doing because they give away the whole movie oh. in the trailer. <laughs> no, the, they give away the twist. Yes. <laughs> I will. You know what? I won't lie. That was in my notes. No, that was, no. didn't see that one coming. That was one one of the like. Okay, like you you had me on that one. No, I felt the same way about that twist as I did when I was watching the movie The Village. Oh, no, that was just a dumb twist. Once it happens, I'm like, okay, why do I care? Very lazy writing. Horrible. Horrible. I want to watch the trailer now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to watch the trailer. Hold on. Let me, it's let on me. IMDb. I watched it on IMDb. I'm opening up a White Claw. I'm so angry at this movie. <laughs> I've been inspired to add a new column to the spreadsheet which is runtime oh god you want to do actual runtime or what it fucking felt like that's gonna be a little harder to measure (laughs) your picks have been horrible man it's the point it's the point of the show isn't Isn't it isn't Isn't it it? it's possible i don't understand what this podcast is about poppycock the fuck house on a weekly basis we are consuming more concentrated bad movies there's probably anybody in the history of mankind. Poppycock. What story? <laughs> what story? <laughs> what are you talking about? Do you want lunch? I have yet to laugh in this movie. I'll just tell you that. You picked it, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> just remember that. You know the problem with Hollywood is? They make shit. Unbelievable. Unremarkable shit. <laughs> I was legitimately offended. You were offended? I was, a, I was offended. I didn't know you could get offended. I was offended. This did it. If I were gay, I wouldn't be offended. <laughs> They're fucking making shit up, I mean. Inconsequential detail after inconsequential yeah. detail after inconsequential detail. Please don't lie. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm there holding a mic in my hands and now I'm talking yeah, all over. <laughs> Welcome to Cinephobe, the podcast where we break down the movies you're afraid to admit you love, or the movies, maze picks, to try to end the podcast. I'm Zach Harper. That's me, Al Hassan. That's Anthony Mays. And if you have a submission, reminder, these be 40% or lower on Rotten Tomatoes for either the audience score or the critic score. Don't give us anything higher than that 40%, please. Did this one qualify? Did this one qualify? Did Pluto Nash? Yeah. Is that, is that did, did, 
Did it? Did it? Did just squeak by the forty percent threshold? Just scrape by. Just scrape by. This week on Cinephobe, we watched the two thousand two sci fi comedy, The Adventures of Pluto Nash. Comedy? We're gonna call comedy. It okay. <laughs> That's what they call it. Starring Eddie Murphy, who was on a run. Shrek, Doctor Doolittle two, Showtime, uh, that had just come out, and he had I Spy and Daddy Daycare also coming out that year. Future cinephobe. Eddie Murphy is back. <laughs> we also get Randy Quaid's crazy ass. He was coming off not another teen movie. We get Jay Moore. You may know as Bob Sugar from Jerry Maguire. I will kill for you. I will maim for you. I will rape and pillage for you. Wait, is that what people know Jay Moore from? What do you know him from? Genie Bus? Uh, man, let me tell you something. That broke my heart. Almost as much as it broke my heart that he, before Genie Bus, he was married to Nikki Cox. Yeah, man. Well, well, like, what is this about Jay Moore? That, that, it's funny. Is he? Well, I mean, he's funny and he's relatively successful. Why? He's been around for a long time, right? I'm asking that sincerely, like, because I looked through his filmography. Yeah. And obviously he had the radio show. Yeah. And, like, a local TV, sports TV show in L.A. He had 33 episodes of The Ghost Whisperer. I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I don't get it. He has a very successful podcast. Well, he was on he was on Saturday Night Live for a Why? bit. Why? Why? <laughs> he plays an asshole awesome in every movie. Like, I always think about him in Small Soldiers. That's what I always think about. Small Jesus. Soldiers. That's, yeah. That, hold on. Hold on. I said you may know him as Bob Sugar from Jerry Maguire, and your counter is, what about Small Soldiers? Small Soldiers is a great movie. We also have Rosario Dawson, who had just done Men in Black 2. My enemy. Rosario Dawson's your enemy? Yep. What? Rosario Dawson. I'm already on her side. Shunned me at a gas station on the way to Burning Man when she was recording the gas station and recording... The convenience shop and just walking around with her phone out recording everything and i asked her to take a picture and she just said no and got on the rv and drove away love her yeah i respect her more now i love her more now yes i i yeah i already had a huge crush on rosario dawson but now it's turned into full on blossom to full-on love were you shocked that the maze story had him going to burning man i didn't have you the burning man type well you know multifaceted over here we also get joe pantaleone he was in daredevil bad boys bad boys 2 memento the matrix he was on a tv show sopranos no not that one he was on soprano no different one he wasn't on sopranos no he was but there was a different show i'm thinking of due to the timeline of when this movie was made i was wondering if this was pre or post matrix i think it's pre it, it was released after the matrix but i don't know when they made it yet. yes Exactly. We got Miguel Nunez is in this movie, also known as Joanna Man. Man. There you go. You got Pauly from Rocky. We're young. Hey, I want you out of here instamatically. And Caligulo from A Bronx Tale. Yes. Luis Guzman. Luis Guzman is another one. Pam Greer. Pam Greer plays his mom, which I found out way too late in the movie when he actually calls her mom when he talks to her on the phone. I was like, that's his mom? As soon as she is introduced, it's it's known it's oh, his mom. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Let's not forget Alec Baldwin, which for some reason my phone corrected to Alex Baldwin. Uncredited. Yeah, we'll find out why he's uncredited later. Also, Peter Boyle, the dad from Oh yeah, Everybody Loves Raymond, and John Cleese. John Cleese, yeah. I'm looking, this is a pretty star-studded cast, by the James way. James Reborn? And James Reborn. Who's James Reborn? He was Belcher in this movie. 
He's been in a ton of things. Oh, no, I know who you're talking about. You guys are calling him by his... Everyone knows that dude as the lawyer from the last episode of Seinfeld. He's that. (laughs) Or I'll also accept the shady guy from CRS from the movie The Game. Remember that with Sean Penn? I remember it. I mean, he's also in Meet the Parents. He's in Talented Mr. Ripley. No, no, no. It's Independence Day for me. Yeah, Independence Day. No, no, no. No, he is. For me, it always jumps out. He is the lawyer from the last episode of Seinfeld. This is the hill you want to... Absolutely. We should be attacking Maze, and this is the hill that you want to... Okay. <laughs> yeah, guys, figure it out before we get started. What do you think that guy's life is like? Nothing but hookers. Because I feel like he is... We, we've talked about this before. What is the, the perfect amount of fame? He might have the perfect amount of fame. Sure. Yeah, because he always like he always gets work. I'm assuming, given that his roles are not minor, he's getting good paying work. Right? His life isn't like anything anymore. He died six years ago, apparently. Oh well, never mind then. Pluto Nash was directed by Ron Underwood, who directed Tremors, City Slickers, Mighty Joe Young, and four episodes of the new Hawaii Five-O. After this movie, he was banished to TV work exclusively. <laughs> Dude, this movie destroyed lives. It did. It really did. Neil Cuthbert wrote the movie. Mine. You may know Neil Cuthbert from writing The Return of Swamp Thing, Hocus Pocus, and Mystery Men. Oh, yeah. That was a terrible movie. Mystery Men's a terrible movie? Any relation to Elisha, 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 Elisha Cuthbert? I'm having a stroke. I don't know her name. (laughs) It's like Kim Basinger? 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 I don't see anything on there, but let me me see. Cuthbert is not like, there can't be two Cuthberts in Hollywood, can there? I mean, there could be. Who knows? Cuthbert? Have you ever heard of anyone named Cuthbert? No, they're not related. It reminds me of when I was younger and I discovered that Damon Stoudemire and Amari Stoudemire weren't related. But then... Much to my delight, Salim Stoudemire was related. Right, but don't they also spell it differently? Mars with an E, Damon's with an A, right? Damon starts with a D. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I didn't say starts. <laughs> shit. <laughs> Again, why are we attacking each other? Why, why are you coming after me on this one? We're in alignment. <laughs> this is where we are as a podcast. Don't get bogged down. Come on. Don't get bogged down. We're 14 minutes into this movie. I haven't even gotten through the synopsis. Synopsis for Pluto Nash. In the future... A man struggles to keep his lunar nightclub out of the hands of the mafia. Okay, yeah, that's accurate, I would say. Tagline, action's future has arrived. I don't understand that. Others were, the other uh, tagline was, the man on the moon. Okay, accurate, I suppose. $100 million estimated budget for this movie. I believe it was estimated that it was $20 million also on top of that for marketing budget. It grossed $4.4 million U.S., $7.1 million worldwide, one of the biggest box office flops of all time. Yeah, baby. We have to acknowledge a couple things. One is they made this movie, and they knew how bad it was, and they still decided to sink $20 million in marketing? It was on the shelf for two years. At that point, you know then. You know. Of course. But maybe this is like an Eddie Murphy thing. Like Eddie can carry us to the box office. We just throw them... Throw him in their face all the time? No. But at that point, you've burned $100 million. What's 20 more? I guess. All right. To me, you know what I would have done? This is going to sound awful, especially considering I love Eddie Murphy. He's one of my favorite comedians of all time. Maybe you just hold on to that one until he dies. Ooh. And then you capitalize on that, and then you drop it Okay. Down. All right. And you just build the lore for a long time. This movie never came out. Yeah. Yeah. Nostalgia just carries the day. I remember there being a rumor that Eddie Murphy had a glass... Like a clear glass toilet? You ever hear that rumor? I have not, but I don't understand what the appeal would be. I don't either. Fun fact about Pluto Nash. Opening weekend. So how much did you say was their total gross? 
four point four US, seven point one worldwide. All right. Their opening weekend was two point two US. So half of it happened in the first three days. You say, why is that such an interesting thing? I mean, well, here's why. Because I know at least $22 of that came from the El Hassan family. That's right. Me and my brother. <laughs> opening weekend. We went to go see it. I'd never seen this movie until today. Literally, I watched it in the theater and never watched it again. And somehow erased, completely obliterated every memory of this movie. I, had, I couldn't even remember who was in it other than Eddie Murphy. I was talking to Jason Jackson today, and I was telling him we're going to do Pluto Nash. He's like, oh, yeah, well, Rosario Dawson, right? I'm like, is she in it? Like, <laughs> Before we jump into the rest of this movie and the podcast, Pluto Nash is only available for rent because Maze has become a terrorist. Zach, how many times did you rent this movie? Yeah, you motherfucker. All right, so I rented this thing last week, and I guess I pushed rent and watch now, which starts the clock on the 48 hours instead of rent and watch later. Because when I went to go watch it today, my rental had expired. And so I had to rent it again, $3 each time. I could have bought it for five. Another 48 hours. <laughs> I fucking hate you so much. <laughs> Next time I see you, I'm going to get a step stool and punch your tall ass in the face. <laughs> and then when he hits the floor, you guys will be trading places. <laughs> what was your dumbass question? <laughs> Easy now. Where are we right now? All right, let's just go right to it. I don't even care. Let's just get through this. I want to get through this episode. I want to go. <laughs> Pluto Nash receives 4% from critics. Four. 4% yeah. on 90 reviews. These critics think they're doing so much, but in reality, they do little. 19% from the audience on over 32,000 ratings. And how many of those ratings were coming to America? Excuse me, from America. What else you got? It's Showtime. This is life. See, the way it works is you you do a little <laughs> bit, and then I drop one, and then we keep going back and forth like that. It feels like you're going to use a thousand words. It's clear that Zach doesn't understand the Norbit. <laughs> Holy man, what are you guys doing? I spy a podcast that's about to break up. Uh, I feel like we do this conversation every single time. It's like a boomerang. We just keep going around and around. Anything else? All I can do is imagine what it would have been like if we'd watched this on the train to New Orleans. <laughs> we, 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 I'm sure we would have both given Maze the bowfinger. No, let's talk about this one for real. Uh, Rosario Dawson, one of my favorites. She's my dream girl. Imagine that. <laughs> You think Maze goes to, instead of like using Tinder or anything like that, you think he just goes to daddy daycare? <laughs> that joke is so good. I Shrek. Zach, did you Shrek too? Can we do this fucking podcast? Yes. Okay. I feel like that's for another one. All right, you want uh, pause okay, okay, okay. You know what? Let's not do the podcast right now. Let's uh, let's do this. Let, we'll have Jade set it up on YouTube. We'll have everyone come in and watch us, and we can do it Saturday night live. All right. You want the positive or the negative reviews? You know I'm a 
glass half full kind of guy. Give me the positives. Well, everybody's just thinking about the negative. Well, I think the, the glass is half full. Everybody thinks it's half empty. Okay, good, because that whole bit was making me delirious. <laughs> Zach, you fancy yourself a distinguished gentleman, don't you? Scott Weinberg of eFilmCritic.com. Kind of sad that this endearingly strange flick will be remembered as one of the worst ever. Yet Triple X is considered a good movie because it was profitable. Yo, I, I'm not arguing with that. That's really, that's a, that's a, that, I don't know if that's a positive review, but, no, you're right. but it's, it's certainly an accurate one. David Nusser from Real Film Reviews. Though my expectations for the film were exceptionally low, it turns out that The Adventures of Pluto Nash is just diverting enough to recommend it. If that's the best defense for it he came up with, I'm not sure that's a positive one either. Joe Layden of The Movie Picture Show. Maybe the most undeserving victim of critical overkill since Town and Country. Ah, Joe, you are a golden child. User Deegan P with five out of five stars. This movie. This movie is otherworldly, literally. My earliest memories stem from this work of art. Pluto Nash has time and time again proven to be the single-handed best movie ever created. The way Eddie Murphy brings the role Pluto Nash to life ignites the flame for this entire movie. The acting is on another plane of existence, the set design is advanced and detailed, and the story itself is touching and fun for anyone. Sometimes, there's more. when I'm feeling down, I like to enjoy curling up on the couch late at night with my dog and watching Pluto Nash for the 37th time that week. This movie is what keeps me going. Is this the same dude every single time? User PB, five out of five stars. Silly movie for sure, but Luis Guzman made me laugh so hard. I don't know why. I can't explain it, but five stars. User Mr. S, five out of five stars. He's racist, by the way. That was the explanation. I do inappropriate things while watching this film. Winky face emoticon. Whoa. What's, ha what's happening here? <laughs> User Tom C, five out of five stars. Great movie with a developing plot throughout the entire story. Also, my dick was in my hand the entire story. No, come on now. Come on now. <laughs> and then the last one, user Kurt L, three out of five stars. How in the actual fuck does this movie have a 4%? When you rank straight garbage like 2009, Land of the Lost as a 26, I think there might be a oh. few Americans that are a little butthurt about the Hillary Clinton notes. You know what? Fuck you, guy. And also, that was strangely prescient it was. for a movie that had zero, zero kind of foresight into the future. They had a couple of things where I was just like, Jesus Christ, you guys are on point. Right. Not bad. All right. Negative reviews. Jeffrey Lyles of Lyles Movie Files. Oh, fuck you, Jeffrey. Wow. I didn't even read it yet. Uh, it's one of no, those classic. Lyles Movie Files. Fuck you. Don't be cute. It's one of those classically awful movies that you almost have to see to truly appreciate why it well deserves its status as one of the worst movies of all time. Mm. Stephen Hunter of Washington Post. The result is something quite rare in professional show business. One and a half hours of pure blankness. It's there, but it's not there. It is, but it isn't. It has nothing to offer. It's not forgettable, really, because there's nothing to forget. Kind of like that review. M.K. Terrell of Christian Science Monitor. Oh, boy. With colossal sets, a remarkable cast, and hundreds of extras, this sci-fi comedy adventure spoof of 30s movies should be funny and adventuresome, but it falls flat. Yeah, I thought about that, whether it was a, supposed to be like a 30s movie or not. Yeah. Especially considering they watched one in the middle of the movie. <laughs> it did. Which is kind of weird when you think about like watching a movie that's like 150 years old. Right, we'll never do that, right? No one watches 30s movies now. Jack Matthews of New York Daily News. Forensics experts will be digging through the rubble of this fiasco for a long time, trying to reconstruct the accident. How did so many lines fall flat? Why were the action scenes so corny and unconvincing? Who put the stink on this? He's talking about us. 
Good questions. Doing the forensics. Stefan Bergier Stefanson oh. of SBS.is. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> it's only four words, really, because one's hyphenated. Worst Futurama ripoff ever. Okay. Like I said, I don't want to hear those. What about from Kamal the Diva Larsuel of Three Black Chicks Reviews? All prints of this film should be sent to and buried on Pluto. And then last one, Luke Y. Thompson of New Times. The last time Murphy played a nightclub owner, we got Harlem Nights, which was actually better. Whoa. Whoa. Is this guy trying to talk shit about Harlem Nights? I think so. Fuck you, guy. Harlem Nights, 21% critics, 80% fans. Whoa. I mean, what's your first note for this movie? My first note was, get me this song. Blue Moon Remix? It's terrible. My first note is, what the hell is this music? <laughs> I love it when we notice the same thing at yeah. the same time. Planet rings are all over the imaging for the credits. Yeah. And then my next note is, no, seriously, what is this opening song? Man, it's a Blue Moon remix. Looks like we're on the moon and there's a porta potty in the first shot. There's a sign going into a tunnel that says, welcome to Little America, prepare for full gravity. These N64 graphics are tough. It is unbelievable. This is how every movie starts. Every one of these movies... I start watching and I think to myself, fuck, maybe it's not that bad, man. Maybe it's like just misunderstood. And then as the movie goes along and it proves itself to be horrendous, like these details just fly by me because I just don't care anymore. There was a point, like, I mean, again, like a half hour in, like there was a point where I thought, what if I just don't watch the rest of this? Would it be really that bad? There's a point where I was like, it's definitely not interesting or good, but it's not bad enough to make me again, look away. And then it hit a point where it was that bad. We're at Little America on the Moon in the year 2080 at a place called Frankowski's featuring the golden voice of the one and only Anthony Frankowski. And that's Jay Moore wearing a kilt with an accordion singing. Little America 2080. Is this what Elon Musk beats off to? <laughs> right? It's got to be. Yeah. He must have been the, the reviewer that had his dick in his hand watching. Eddie Murphy's watching, trying to figure out what this is. This place is a real shithole. I noticed Eddie Murphy's mustache is very wide. Very thick. Very thick mustache. Like top to bottom. He's always big mustache. When did it go the other way, though? For Eddie Murphy? No, for... Black people? You said it. I would say that black people have always had... Did it start with Kevin Ollie? No. We've always had diverse mustaches. Always. Okay. But certain people, Steve Harvey, Eddie Murphy, yeah. stick to yeah. their guns. Like, they always... Big gun. I just found a picture of Eddie Murphy without a mustache. Him and Sugar Ray Leonard. And let me tell you right now, Eddie, keep the big mustache, bro. Oh, I don't like that. It's terrifying, isn't it? Oh, it's terrible. So much skin. He's got a lot of real estate between his lip and his nose. Yes, that's which is kind of odd, right? What? Why? Well, you don't notice it when he's got the mustache. Okay. I thought you were trying to back me into a race corner here. That's what it felt like. Everybody's on edge. Eddie, you shut the fuck up. I'm done. I'm, I'm, I got something for you. Eddie and Jay are arguing about a kilt being a dress, and Jay wants to be synonymous with Scottish crooning. He made it up. Eddie says it's horrible, and if he wants to croon, he needs to be Italian. Says he should go by Tony Francis. The whole place is a real cesspool. The kitchen, the bathroom, they're all very disgusting. The bathroom in this movie is how I see the yep, world now post-coronavirus. Great call. Just everything is gross. Don't want to touch anything. Don't want to even be So in one, there. it made me wonder if they had health codes on the moon. Like, do they have that kind of bureaucracy? Apparently not. And then I wanted to ask you guys, would you guys go eat at a restaurant that is newly reopened after being shut down for health code violations? I have done that. Yeah, I think that's the time to go. Because now they're on their P's and Q's. Just in case, though, you always got to pack a wet nap. 
they zoomed in on him unwrapping that thing. I thought it was going to play in like a major plot point. Almost no payoff. No. I mean, there is no payoff. What am I saying? There's no payoff. It just made me laugh he's still using them in 2080. Yeah. <laughs> Technology is not improved. <laughs> Two Italian mobsters show up while Eddie's in the bathroom. He walks out, and Polly from Rocky hears that his name is Pluto, wants to know when he got out of the joint. Turns out he got out about a week ago, and Polly congratulates him. Pluto used to uh, play cards with Polly's brother in prison. Angelo Cheesecake is your brother? The other henchman is the kid from a Bronx tale. He's putting a funnel in Jay's mouth. They're about to pour battery acid in there because he hasn't paid back two and a half million dollars that he got from Polly as a loan from four years ago. Eddie gives Polly the wet wipe to clean his hands. Pluto says he doesn't want to be the smuggling business anymore. He's going to open his own club. It's a lifelong dream. Dinner, dancing, hot music, nice atmosphere. Wants to relax and enjoy the party. Pluto offers to pay off Jay's debt and take over Frankowski's. Polly says he wants to have a drink and talk about it. They go across the street. And now we're seven years in the future to 2087. Joe Pantaleona. Joey Pants. Joey Pants. Joe Pantoliano. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was way off. Joey Francis. <laughs> he's got a briefcase. He's got a henchman who's cross-eyed. There's a few things that can shake my suspension of disbelief. This was one of them. So how much work can there be for a cockeye albino black actor? Victor Vernado was born legally blind due to his albinism. Really? That doesn't mean he's blind. It no, he can't he's... see very well at all, but he's legally blind. But I don't want to be rude about it, but it was actually very distracting. Because they do a lot of close-ups. I feel like it's henchman stunt casting, just like our guy the chin from Tango and Cash. Oh, yeah. Fuck, this guy's been in a lot of movies. He's a stand-up comedian who won the... MVP prize at the Montreal Comedy Festival. There's an oxygen bar, just like in Vegas. Have you ever done one of those oxygen bars? I have not. Me neither. Little America looks like the exhibit hall at Comic-Con. <laughs> All right. Lunar Grand Casino is being advertised. It's very ominous. We're at a club. They're playing So Fresh and So Clean. Stankonia remix. In 2087. Yes. Throwback. And the whole crowd is doing a coordinated dance. <laughs> yes. Outcast endures, man. It reminded me of the club scene in Showgirl. Oh, yeah. The way everyone's dancing like a fucking moron. I looked it up. So just for context, them listening to So Fresh, So Clean in 2087 would be like us listening to Glenn Miller now. Do you know who Glenn Miller is? No. Me neither, because I had to Google music in the 40s. <laughs> Pluto is serving drinks, congratulates a guy on getting divorced tomorrow, drinks on the house. He also wants the DJ to crank the music back up. It causes the black dancer to just start karate chopping the air. Yes. Oh, he was going for yeah. it. He's using overalls, too. Now he's talking to Miguel. You know what he was doing. What? Dancing, Dancing his, his ass, ass off. <laughs> Michael Challenger. That's his real name. We got more on him later if you want. Uh, he's talking to Miguel and they're happy with the Tuesday night crowd. Then Rosario Dawson bumps into Pluto, knocks his cigar to the ground and accidentally steps on it. Miguel leaves. He says, Ooh, look at that ass. I'll be right back. She's looking for the owner. He says he doesn't know her. She's from Salt Lake city to which he says rough town, <laughs> to which I thought was a dumb joke at first. And then I thought, well, they are minorities. I like that. I don't know what that meant for Salt Lake city in 2087. Yeah. <laughs> we, we had Lisa. Longtime listener on Bomb a couple of weeks ago, and she told us about the fun times of Salt Lake City. And it is a wonderful town, but it can be unsafe if you are of a certain persuasion. She's hoping to be a singer for his club, needs money to get back home. He says they've got a DJ and can't help her. She says her moon card expired. That never gets explained later on what a moon card is. It's like a green card. You might overlook it. Her father, Nikki Stick, said that uh, Pluto would help her. Apparently, one of them saved the other's life in 76, and Pluto lost a fine automobile in the process. 
She says she wants two shows a night, five nights a week, as he says he might have something for her. He counters with six nights a week, waiting tables and saving up tips, and she'll take it. boy. Joey Pants is there. He's drinking a Muscle Beach lemonade from Hot Dog on a Stick. Yeah, he is. Oh, by the way, when they're walking, I thought Maze would for sure notice this. There is a giant video board outside on the top of a building that's just playing black and white movies, and the movie it's playing is actually the very first movie ever made. It's called A Trip to the Moon or some shit oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. It's playing on the outside, which I think they've done that in the future. You know, in Futurama, in the intro, they've got the building as a video board, and it always would show some old black and white, something from like the 30s or 20s or whatever. That's the movie where the moon gets a money shot in its eye, right? Yes. That is the very first movie ever made. <laughs> Joey Pants offers up $10 million for the Lunar Grand Hotel to acquire the club spot. The henchman puts his feet on the desk, and Pluto knocks him over. Then when the henchman gets mad, Pluto says to meet his friend and bodyguard, Bruno. It's robot Randy Quaid, to which I wrote the note, what? Looks like you're about due for training, Mr. Nash. He's a Model 63, deluxe. He says, 63? Talk about ancient. To which Bruno then says, your sister didn't seem to mind. To which the <laughs> henchman then says, screw you, robot. All of the robots and machines and stuff like that, uh, they very curious in this movie there's a part where i just started noticing every time that randy quaid clearly forgot he's supposed to be a robot <laughs> forgot he was in a movie he wasn't exactly locked in joe says the offer is non-negotiable and rex crater is going to buy the club what's up with the names space pluto crater like do they think in the future people are gonna name space oh it's oh Gotcha. The money is $10,000 bills with Hillary Clinton on them. Pluto says he's not selling the club. Joe says Rex Crater does not like to be disappointed. Now Rosario runs a drink up to Pluto for Miguel. This isn't some send up the new girl kind of thing, right? Uh, it should have been. This movie? Very problematic in terms of <laughs> super problematic. <laughs> not problematic in the typical way where like women are just super objectified like crazy, but definitely in the sense that Rosario Dawson's character is as one-dimensional, as paper-thin as you can get. Yes. As opaque as the transparencies that Pluto is using to do his accounting with what looks like a Palm Pilot or a Zune. It's a basic-ass calculator in 2087. He also mixes his own martinis in his mouth. Fun fact, Eddie Murphy doesn't drink. Oh, okay. I was watching that with great interest. Like, how is he going to fake what mixing a martini in your mouth looks like? (laughs) Joey Pants gives him a call. Uh, but apparently there's no caller ID in the future. Pluto hangs up on him. Rosario sees a pic of Tony Francis and is shocked. Pluto knows him. Uh, he says they grew up together and like brothers. He gets interrupted by another call from Joey Pants. One last chance to change his mind. He says no, hangs up on him again. Clown! Apparently Rex Crater wants to turn the whole moon into a casino thanks to Rex getting the city council on board. The city council on the moon, guys. Movies about corruption and gentrification. It is a city. Like, it's not the entire, as we find out later, it's not the entire movie. It's just a little city on the moon. There's an awful explosion green screen situation happening. Eddie sort of tackles Rosario to the floor, but it's so awkward. It was almost like they didn't have safety mattresses down. So he was being very careful about how they fell. (laughs) Eddie Murphy has a full ass on him in this scene because he completely mailed it in. He's in no danger of acting his ass off. (laughs) Full ass. (laughs) Zach, spoiler alert, this movie goes as far to... Put additional ass on its character. It does. It, it does. Randy Quaid starts saying bomb detonated to evacuate the club. Him walking with his robot arms is just unreal. His entire body walks like a human, but not his arms. They should have just let him be normal. 
You can be an android and you like I don't understand. Like he's wearing a real suit, but then they put like rivets in it. As if it was all like one metallic body. So a hitman tries to shoot Pluto, Rosario pushes him out of the way, Hitman runs away, Rosario sees another guy on the phone, points him out to Bruno, Bruno intercepts the call. Then they start running and Bruno runs exactly like Gorgie Jang. <laughs> <laughs> if you look up Gorgie Jang running and then look at Bruno running, it's the exact same thing. Pluto's chasing the hitman through the city, finally tackles him at a bar, is mad that they blew up his wood bar stools. You know how hard it is to get wood on the moon? I kind of like that recurring. Was that a double entendre? Well, that's what I started thinking. I was like, Lunalis or Lunegra or something like that. Would that be the moon erectile dysfunction ad? Is this the, the live read right now? Or? <laughs> <laughs> now Pluto's in a shootout with multiple guys. They're shooting up the bar restaurant. Rosario walks in, says it's a trap. Pluto, it's a trap! <laughs> he shoots one of the henchmen. Everyone mails in the physical action of diving to the ground here. Every I mean, single person. Every part of this action scene is awful. Pluto's out of ammo. Rosario picks up a gun, shoots blindly and wildly all over the place. <laughs> With her wrist flip-flop. Okay, I take it back. This movie is problematic towards him. <laughs> like... <laughs> I try to be enlightened, but I don't think I'm, like, super feminist or whatever. You're definitely not. <laughs> I'm not doing the Bechtel test right? every movie, but, like, come on. <laughs> You've really gone over This one's really bad. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah. and it's funny because they don't really sexualize her. Like, a couple, like, once or twice. A couple twice. of scenes, but not really. Yeah, it's not like that's the overt part of it's it. It's not like some story. of these other movies that we've done where it's like, Jesus. <laughs> Jade. Were they beating off like while writing the script? Bruno takes the gun and throws her outside. He starts wrecking the place. Pluto runs out. He puts a gun on a tripod just to have it shoot out the door repeatedly. I actually kind of like that. A little Call of Duty action. Auto turret. Rosario is admonishing Pluto for running into an obvious trap. She says she's getting out of there and having saved his life twice. It would be nice if he loaned her money to get home. He says they'll be looking everywhere for her. When did she save his life? I don't know. I guess when she was shooting the gun. She let him know that it was a trap. That's true. She did. After they already had guns up on him. It was as soon as she got in there, though. Like, she didn't even look around. She said, hey, it's a trap. Yeah, and she didn't look around. If she looked straight in front of her, she would see the backs of the heads of the two dudes who were pointing guns at Pluto. She's worse than the, the chick from Teen Wolf 2. There, I said it. Really? Wait, which one? The one who's like... Oh, what's a dumb jock like you? Like, bitch, I taught you how to use a microscope. You mean the love interest? Yeah. You don't know how to use a microscope. <laughs> Every club in the city has a biometric camera system. Creepy. They saw the future. Is that supposed to sound sophisticated? It is. He's basically talking about like what we're doing, facial recognition software, which is real, which is happening right now, Zach. They have it at Madison Square Garden. They find people who have said mean things about Jim Dolan on Facebook and on Twitter. <laughs> and then they cause I'm dead serious. This is 100% real. Oh, I thought you were going to say they find people who say things about them in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> With oh, the cameras. Uh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> I see him. I'm reading lips now. No, no, no. Like, this is, this is, like, this was one of the moments where I was like, fuck, they got that one right. Pluto thinks they should stay at a motel. This guy, Roy, gives him a spot for free, it appears. Bruno has been plugged into charge. Then they have this exchange. Rosario Dawson says, I hate the moon. To which then Pluto says, you know why mooners can't stand earthlings? Mm. You think everything back on Earth is better. You can't stop talking about it. I went back to Earth once and the air smelled funny. Sneezing all the time. Rained every day. Bugs and shit everywhere. In fact, you know the only thing I liked about it? And she says, you could see the moon at night. He says, bingo. Exposition, I mean. Basil. Pluto Nash talking about Earth versus the moon is exactly like me talking about the East Coast versus the West Coast. 
no one wants to deal with snow and ice and seasons and all that bullshit. Like, the only good thing is like flying back or whatever, you know. And he says back earth, like saying back east. Bruno can't hear when he's charging, apparently. Rosario wonders if his bodyguards should be able to keep up with him in a gunfight. Should trade him in. Pluto says they've got a 20-year history together smuggling. Real hopping. Pluto is leaving to talk to an old friend. She's left with Bruno. He meets Roland, played by Peter Boyle. They're playing eight ball for money. Pluto wants to get to Rex Crater. Roland says nobody does. The pool table has a magnetic re-rack. Pretty cool. And honestly, I'm wondering why we don't have that in real life right now. The magnet turns on and pulls them all into the formation, and then you turn it off, and now it's racked. You don't think that would work? I don't know if that would work, but I do like the idea. I thought it was a cool idea. Maybe we should develop that, Cinephobe Industries. There you go. I thought that Roland was the dude that worked at the motel because they both had like a Hawaiian shirt on. It took me a while to figure out, oh, no, it's a different character. Uh, maybe. Uh, but then the <laughs> other thing is I did the math because he was talking about back in the old days, this and that. And I did the math. It's 2087, meaning this old dude is like Imani Bates' age. Imani Bates is like the going to be the next coming great basketball player. He's only like 14 years old right now or something like that. But basically, when Imani Bates is like 70, it's going to be the year 2087. So you think he was in Imani Bates' class? Probably. Maybe a little younger. A device called the Pizza King pops out the saddest looking slice of pizza ever and says, pizza time. It reminded me of the Theodore Rex cooking machine. Oh my gosh. (laughs) There's another Theodore Rex tie-in coming in here very soon. Rex is a clone from clone Dr. Runa Padankin. She created an entire basketball team from one guy. Ah, yes, the Air Jordans. I smiled. (laughs) She was the best in her field till she got herself murdered. (laughs) She came to the moon after cloning was outlawed on Earth, murdered eight years ago. Pluto needs to hack into police files, hits a trick shot to beat Roland. All of Runa's files have been deleted. So now they're looking for Mona Zimmer, her assistant. Runs a body alteration shop on Microsoft in 6th. That's what I love about you, Roland. I ask you a simple question, and four hours later, I get a simple answer. Rosario's reading Robot Life magazine next to Bruno. He's done charging. He's worried that Pluto left without him. Pluto comes back, takes the old badge from Bruno, a fake badge, and then he needs Rosario's help, and Bruno has to stick around. And his teeth are, they look like Eugene Levy in Best in Show. He has got some massive teeth. Did not notice. Th- really? They zoom in on him so much. This is the part of the movie where I started to zone out. Okay, well, you didn't miss much. Pluto and Rosario pretend to be a couple looking for a brand new us. Mona has no business but pretends to squeeze them in. Pluto then says they want ass resculpting to get her more bubblage. And now she wants to do something about his big mouth. She gives them a catalog. They do a body scan, and she's showing them options in real time. They have the Amazon, which they're stretched and tall. Then they have the Venice Beach, and they're crazy ripped. All kinds of muscles. This is the disguise machine from Theodore Rex. Absolutely. 100%. Like, to the point where I believe they ripped it off. I don't even think this is a coincidence. (laughs) He wants to enhance her. You think that this movie watched Theodore Rex? Yes. Wow. Yes. Even the way that the city is designed, it looks like the city that Theodore Rex lived in. Very crowded and dark and, and, and... cramped and kind of on top of each other the clubs look the same there's a lot of thematic similarities between those two movies he says they're ample now but he's talking titties galore let's have the titties really flowing and then i wrote the note this movie was based on this scene i think that's what created the movie they wanted to do (laughs) this scene of the special effects with the different bodies they wrote a whole movie around it now they're discussing terms they're going to pay cash 
they have the medical records, but they don't have police permits. He gives her more cash. This actually makes sense, though, that you would need a police permit to get altered. I, I kind of like this thought process. But then she just takes the money anyways. I just want this fucking movie over. I don't care about thought process at this point. They botched it. They botched it, and they're going to continue to botch it, Maze. Don't try to defend this thing. And I swear to God, if you fucking file this movie, I'm going to unleash hell on this podcast. All right? Imagine your feelings if you'd only spent $3 instead of 6 Let me tell you guys, you're messing up. You're wasting money. You're wasting money to try to look good, and it's just not the way to go. You got to switch to Harry's, okay? I know you're shaving. I know you're doing all this stuff. You got to switch to Harry's. Here's why. In one year, you could save, like, enough for 26 cups of coffee if you live in New York. Live in Chicago, you get, like, three pizzas, deep dish style. Netflix subscription, that's six months worth of Netflix right there. You can Netflix and chill or Netflix and quarantine a lot more by having Harry's. And, guys, we're going to be here for a while, hopefully. So you want to get Harry's. Harry's has a trial set delivered to your doorstep by going to harrys.com slash ding. And let me tell you a little bit about this. Quality, durable blades at a fair price. $2 a blade. German Blade Factory that's been honing precision blades for a century. They cut out the middleman and they're bringing you the blades from there. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on schedule with or without a subscription. You get blades, you get hair care, you get shower products, you get it all on harrys.com. And just like the blades, Harry's is committed to providing premium products without breaking the bank. Our listeners, again, go to harrys.com slash ding. This is what you're going to get. You get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade. You want that lubrication, trust me. Rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin so hydrated, so silky smooth. You're not going to hurt yourself. You're not going to cut yourself. You could do this blind and you're still going to have that smooth, smooth shave. And a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Just go to harrys.com slash ding to start shaving and start saving today. I don't want to have to tell you again. Save some money by going to Harry's. She says it's going to be another 10K after completion. Come back tonight. That's when he pulls out the badge, says she's busted, and he wants the truth. Mona says that Runa was dealing with some heavy characters. One of them left a briefcase with the gold initials WZW, made out of genuine alligator skin. Earthlings. They leave. Rosario says she's never had a complaint about her ass, just so he knows. They get back to the motel, and his mom, Pam Greer, who's still bringing it, guys, she gives him the business. <laughs> Why are you gallivanting around? You're going to wind up dead. Hey, I got to take care of those guys that blew up my club. <laughs> you got to get your ass off the moon. Well, I don't think so. Oh, you may think you're some hot shit ex real hopping burned-down club-owning tough guy, but once in a while, you got to listen to your mother. Okay, all right, okay, all right. I'm going to get off the moon, okay? But can I get something to eat first? God. I definitely was asleep during this scene. I remember being awake and seeing Pam Greer and like, damn. And then that was it. Tells Bruno to get beer and sandwiches as Bruno is reading Rocket Science magazine. Mom says to be nicer to the robot, and to which he responds, you been in here bitching to my moms? I don't remember any of this. Henchmen are there. Hotel manager gives up the room. He then warns Pluto they go into the next room. When the albino henchmen and the, the thugs show up, some of them are human, some of them are robot. Roy, the, hotel, the motel guy, says, gentlemen... Sweet with a hot tub. <laughs> no, yeah, he did say that. I remember that. There's a female robot in the next room. Bruno is enamored with her, to which and then I wrote, do robots get horny? They do in this movie. <laughs> oh, they, they fucking do in this movie, yeah. They push a wall down, stomp on the wall. Again, Randy Quaid forgets that he's supposed to be a robot as he's moving. 
Bad robots stop them as they leave. Mom shoots a bad robots. Gunfight with the cross-eyed henchmen. Bruno shoots a big glass window for no reason. Pluto calls Roland, says he needs to get to far side. They need spacesuits for him and Rosario. Roland shows up with the suits. And as they're boosting the space car, the green screen in this shit is just oh so God. bad. Oh, wow. I'm glad. That's the worst green screen ever. In the yeah, garage. it's atrocious. Pluto gives us a live read for this car. This <laughs> happens to be a Chrysler DeSoto S5000. It cruises on a 14-inch cushion of air, hikes up to 64 inches in rough terrain. It's heat-resistant, meteor-resistant, with a torque compressor power thrust and a kick-ass sound system. The best part about that read is that it's not a real car. It's not like, a real car. Everything after Chrysler is just made up. Yeah. So why the hell is Chrysler paying money it's a great for, for an ad for something that doesn't exist? John Cleese is the car's Siri. He calls Pluto a hooligan for trying to steal his motor car. It's yeah. a little racist. Yeah. Yes, it did. They're driving to Farside. There's a sign for a Neil Armstrong monument and Trump realty sign. If you lived here, you'd be home by now. Oh, boy. A lot of white people saw that and kind of sighed wistfully. Pluto and uh, Rosario Dude, are talking to the... That's where go. Talking in the back of the car, he finds champagne and caviar. My God, he's going to get her drunk and have his way with her. Why is the car cock blocking? That's a great question. And then when she falls asleep, it takes delight in like a successful cock block. Yeah. Why? She falls asleep real quick. Real quick. Yeah, she faked that thing, I think. He covers her with his jacket. Don't they always do that? Is the moonroof on a car called a moonroof when you're on the moon? It should be called an earth roof. could still be a sunroof. What's the difference between a sunroof and a moonroof? Time of day. <laughs> gotcha. Joey Pants is explaining that they were ambushed to Belcher, who's played by James Reborn. Belcher rips him a new asshole. The lawyer from Seinfeld. He says next time he talks to Rex Crater, he needs to say that Nash is dead. Otherwise, Joey Pants, that will be dead. Now, Pluto, Bruno, and Rosario pull up to an old prospecting dome they found years ago. This movie's not even halfway over. They're walking in their suits. It's 200 degrees below zero. Rosario is hopping around with less gravity. There's junk everywhere in the dome that he calls inventory. That's when a French-made robot comes out, drops her feather duster, bends over to pick it up, and Bruno is horny. Why is this <laughs> robot a horn dog? It's apparently the only trick that the French-made robot knows. He left a program on oops. Oh, Babette. Bruno then slaps the maid on the ass and asks, miss me. She slaps him. He says, guess not. I feel like that wasn't part of the script. Yeah, exactly. The whole the ass slap thing. <laughs> he he <laughs> does it. Randy Quaid actually slapping a woman's ass. And that just happened, and they back. just happened to get it on film. <laughs> Can I say, like, Randy Quaid looked like he was in good shape here? He does actually look in really good shape. <laughs> Best shape of his life. Yeah, because, like, four years earlier, is in Independence Day, and he, he looked, looked like a mess. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. And really, it's two years earlier. Pluto's searching for the meaning of the WCW initials. There's nothing there. Rosario says it's MZM because she's looking it upside down. Pluto knows something's there now. We get Michael Zoroster Marucci. It's played by Alec Baldwin. Convicted and cited, except it's S-I-T-E-D, not C-I-T-E-D. Good job. For gambling, racketeering, theft, and multiple murders he's been missing since 2084. Then a court TV clip, plays. How do you feel about your acquittal, Mr. Marucci? Makes me proud to live in this great country where justice is still served. Gambling ready to be outlawed on Earth. Will the Givenito Syndicate engender a consortium to perpetuate a new gambling coalition on the moon? Will the what do what to the what? Speak English, sweetheart. Will you and the other major organized crime figures on Earth? Oh, organized crime? I don't know nobody in organized crime. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, darling. 
You want to ask me a question? Why don't you and me sit down somewhere, we'll open a bottle of wine, get to know each other a little better. Get yourself a new dress, a nice pair of shoes. Be at my hotel around 7 o'clock. I was waiting for him to say that whore wife of yours. <laughs> Good things. Pushes a guy down the stairs, and we see that James Reborn is next to him. What are you waiting for? A dance? Huh? Huh? Oh, 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 my God. Oh, my God. I forgot the stairs was there. Yo, so he shoves a cameraman. Alec Baldwin was placed under citizen's arrest for punching a paparazzi in 1995. Whoa, wow. Yo, life imitating art. Method acting. We also see that the briefcase has the initials, MZM. They think it's Rex Crater. Roland's on their FaceTime call. He believes them. <laughs> That's pretty far-fetched, Pluto. But I buy it! I put, how does that make sense? When it's <laughs> Doesn't, doesn't. There's, I don't know. There's something about a frozen dog that never comes back. Cryogenic Chihuahua, because he's a smuggler. I saw it later, and I didn't realize. I was like, "Was this a callback?" They're giving each other's history to each other. Bruno says that they have enough water for months and plenty of food. Pluto wants a dinner party. Bruno isn't happy. Pluto says he installed a happiness chip. Well, yeah. So she's like, "Are you sure he's okay? Because he's smoldering in the background." And. Pluto says, oh, no, he's got a happiness tip, so he's always happy. And that's it. That was the end of Bruno's anger. I, I, why? Why? Prolin is telling cop about Marucci, and then the cop shoots him in the back in an elevator. Smash cut to Pluto and Rosario watching Angels with Dirty Faces, the 1938 ah. gangster movie starring James Cagney and Humphrey Bogart. Yes, sir. It's a classic. A pop-up from AOL Lunar Edition interrupts the movie. It's a call from an unknown number. In the opening credits, you see the Warner Brothers logo, and beneath it, it says what? AOL Time Warner. That, ladies and gentlemen, is called free product placement. It's his mom. She says that Roland's been murdered. She says, get off the moon. He says he has unfinished business. Tells Bruno to come on, and he drops the maid robot off his lap. Again, it's real horny. Car pulls up to the dome. It's Joey Pants and the henchmen. They're going to blow up the dome. Security footage is the worst graphics I've ever seen. CGI is terrible. Bruno says there are no countermeasures. They go to the bathroom. Randy forgets he's a robot again. Missile hits the dome. Bruno holds them in place. The maid robot loses some clothing for some reason. But not her high-heeled shoes or underwear, Zach. No. PG-13. Can't have exposed feet. And then everything just stabilizes. So I'm really confused as to the whole pressurization of of this dome not a lot of logic to it pluto throws uh rosario out of the hatch to help her escape joey pants tells the henchman she's behind him he pulls a gun pluto knocks him down kicks him into the lights joey pants is shooting at him bruto knocks out two henchmen he's shooting at him forgets he's a robot once again they escape in a car and now we have a moon canyon chase they engage in power thrust which is just moon nas now they're in a tunnel, they're ramming cars, they both barely escape the tunnel, they launch themselves over a huge canyon to escape the bad guys, don't quite make the jump cleanly, cars crash, it stops, they need to evacuate, it detonates, bad guys show up where it detonated, says they can't survive out there anyway, Pluto and Rosario are walking in, again, the worst green screen ever. The origin of real hopping. Bruno is lagging behind, he's losing power, Rosario struggles to breathe. She collapses. Pluto's struggling too. He collapses. Bruno sees them both. He picks them both up. He carries them. And he says, boss, battery low. He stops. Then inexplicably, a Puerto Rican van driven by Luis Guzman comes driving through. Yeah, baby. Felix. Blasting reggaeton. I hadn't noticed. Felix revives them and has heard of Pluto before. He's his number one fan. He's the reason he got into smuggling. 
Calls him the Tito, Tito Puente. Puente. I'm real happy. Felix says he has a bad experience with robots when asked to go save Bruno, and he'll take them to Moon Beach. He'd take them to Miami Beach if he wanted them. He whispers this whole story, oh, by the way, to Pluto. I had a really bad robot experience once. You see, I had this fine robot, Mamita, and I rented her out. Took her back to my place, so, you know, we start getting busy. All of a sudden, there's, like, some kind of malfunction, and then, bam, she does a Terminator on me. Busted a couple of my ribs, you know, dislocated my shoulder. I'm lucky I'm still alive. You ain't got to worry about nothing like that with Bruno. He's not going to hurt you. As long as you don't try to get busy with him. He then does a jump start on Bruno with the battery, and one of the connectors is a bolt. Is his dick. That's in the place where his dick would be. Why? That's why you can't be PG. Why? If Bruno has a bolt for a dick, what does the horniness accomplish? Nothing, because later on he reveals that, like, when given the opportunity to have sex with the robot, he's like, no, I just like to watch from here. I'm like, what? Pluto <laughs> tells Felix he's going to go see Rex Crater. Felix is amazed they know each other. Felix won't accept cash, but he wants Pluto to sign his space helmet. He also wants a suite with a sunken living room bathtub and a waterbed with a mirror on the ceiling in 2087. Pluto asks to use some clothes. Felix has some smuggled from Puerto Rico. Bruno has a wig. I guess Rosario and Pluto are dressed like Puerto Ricans now? This disguise is ridiculous, and then they change literally in the next scene. And then a slot machine is hitting on Bruno like a prostitute would. Why are all the robots pre-programmed to be horny? Horniest slot machine. Pluto wants to see Tony Francis. They won't tell him he's there, so they get a room and tickets for his early show. Bruno can't get away from the slot machine. He then breaks off the lever, and now the slot machine is calling security. Why didn't he just play this slot? Security takes Bruno away from Pluto. Felix has a lot of women around him playing craps. That machine, very slutty. Slutty? That's what I said. That's the star of Showgirls 2, Penny Slot. (laughs) Penny's from heaven. Pluto and Rosario are going to go see Tony. Felix yells out to Pluto. Security notices him. Belcher's pissed at the henchmen. Security busts Felix for cooked dice. Now it's the Tony Francis show. It's actually a pretty incredible show. Tony Francis puts on a good show. The undisputed master of the universe starts his show with a holographic neutron star that just 4Ds its way all over the audience. Yeah. D's nuts. He's singing Fly Me to the Moon, which is a little on the nose, I thought. All the songs are moon songs. Also, Jay Moore's hair dye is distracting. Is Jay Moore supposed to be a good singer? Why not just cast a singer? I don't know. He actually sang. Is the crowd a green screen? Because when he's standing at the edge of the stage... There's some weird lighting stuff going on. I wouldn't put it past them. Pluto and Rosario kiss each other to evade security scanning the room, and now she says that worked for her. Does that move always work in movies? Yeah, it's a pretty old trick, the kiss me to hide from security trick. But then one of them actually falls into it like, ooh, it's not just something to avoid security. I'm actually enjoying this. Usually the woman. Rosario says Tony Francis is so different and so original. And probably my favorite part is when he introduces Ted Jeffries and the Ted Jeffries Orchestra. But it's just a nerd with a (laughs) tiny little keyboard on a control panel. I did enjoy that. Pluto walks into Tony's dressing room. He's married to twin women who talk at the same time. That's disgusting. They look just like Mary Louise Parker. Yeah, they do. And then we find out that he had a woman clone. You want to stay for dinner? We made asabuco and pork and gnocchi. All Tony's mother's recipes. Oh, no, thanks. We ate already. You're a freak. You have no idea. Hey, Tony, listen. Can I talk to you in private for a second? Oh, absolutely. I'm always. Would you excuse us for just a minute? Sure. So, Trip, you married twins, huh? No, they're not twins. I, I met the perfect woman, and then I had a clone. <laughs> which one's which? Who cares? That is incredibly misogynistic and yet very funny. 
I laughed. Is that incest? No, because they're clones. Okay. I've thought about this many a time, by the way. What? Yeah. What do you mean you've thought about it many a time? Cloning? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What? You've never thought about cloning. No, but there's a difference between thinking about cloning and thinking about, like, fucking... Clones. A, a woman and a clone. <laughs> yes. Thought about it. Okay. Yes. Oh, I, that makes me weird now. Oh. Oh. Oh, I mean, why don't you just be like a regular person and, and dream about regular threesomes? I like clones. You like clones? I like clones. <laughs> Let me posit this question for you. If you were gay okay, and you watched the movie Multiplicity, uh-huh. you'd just be jacking it the whole time. Well, no. Because there's like four Michael Keatons. I wasn't jacking it at Pluto Nash either. You weren't jacking it during Pluto Nash? No, I wasn't. I don't. During Pluto Nash? I don't no, I wasn't. You. Not during Pluto Nash. Rosario Dawson, this woman in her clone, French maid robot, you didn't jack it. Oops. Tony might know how to get to Rex Crater's penthouse. Pluto says to pay for the slot machine, get Bruno, and then wait for him in the car so they can get out of there. Tony's helping him with an idea to get from his elevator to Rex's penthouse elevator, and there's a whole convoluted plan. This is the other part that I laughed. Okay, so how do I get from one elevator to the other? Sweetheart, that's what Tony's here to help you with. I'm going to tell you the whole thing. Look, I'm going to show you. You're going to back up as far as you can go. You get a good running start, you jump out across. Jump across to what? The ledge. Look, see that ledge down there? Look, you grab onto these wires, and you swing down on the wires onto the ledge. You want me to grab hot wires? How do you know they're hot? Look at the shit is hot, Tony. Don't grab that one. Grab the ones that aren't hot. You swing down, right? You get down to the ledge. Once you're down there, you're going to wait for like an hour and a half, right? That's when they bring Rex's late supper up to him. When the elevator goes by, right before it passes you, you jump on top. Here. Use this casino chip to unscrew the trap door on top of the elevator, right? You jump down inside. There's going to be two robot guards inside. You take them out. Pop, pop, boom. You're alone in the elevator. You got a meeting with Rex Grant. What's plan B, Tony? Eddie Murphy just has this really long pause. <laughs> He's looking at him and he says, what's plan B, Tony? <laughs> that was legitimately funny. Plan B is Belcher busts in on them. Pluto says he's there to accept Mr. Crater's offer. Belcher then tases both of them, knocks him out. Rosario's flirting with security to get Bruno taken care of. Bruno's got to spend the night. Bruno then decides to break out, knocks security out. Henchmen stop them from escaping. Belcher brings Pluto back to consciousness, and Crater is there in the chair, turned around smoking. Pluto calls out Mike Marucci. Instead, the chair turns around, and it's twist. Eddie Murphy. It is a pleasure to meet me. I won't lie. Having seen this movie, I still didn't see that one coming. And we get the dolly zoom shot made famous by Jaws and Vertigo on Eddie Murphy's face when he realizes what's happening. If I could clone myself, would my clone be okay with doing all the stuff that I don't want to do? Multiplicity. If it's got my memories, it would be cool. When I was a kid, I used to think about if I could clone myself and then like five of me and then we'd play basketball. And I thought we'd be the best basketball team ever because like I'd always know what I was thinking. And like they're Jordans. You, exactly. You cut like perfectly and like defensively our traps would be on point. I also thought about like when I clone myself, it would be 
different versions of myself, play basketball and have strengths at different times. And I thought about if I could clone myself and have those different strengths, then I'd have a shooter, I have a ball handler, I got a, a guy who play, can secure the paint and rebound, I got a guy who can kind of create and slash, and another guy who finishes. And I'm like, yo, we'd be the most unstoppable team ever. You know what that always makes me think of, I mean, is Calvin and Hobbes. Did you guys ever read Calvin and Hobbes? I did. I don't remember the specific. He turns the box into a cloning machine. A transmogrifier. But then all the clones are dickhead Calvins, and they turn on each other, and it goes poorly. Well, that's what I was worried about. Rebounder Amin would want to run point. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And let me tell you, when those two turn on each other, <laughs> it's a bloodbath. So here's where I thought that they must have cut some scenes. Because Belcher says, oh, remember when you got your appendix taken out in prison eight years ago? I'm like, when? Is this a callback? No, no, no. That's called Basil Exposition. Yeah, that's backfilling Basil Exposition right there. Oh my God. Gambling had just been outlawed. So Marucci commissioned a clone of someone who knew their way around the moon. Except the clone didn't want to be his puppet. And he killed Marucci and the doctor. Sent him into orbit. Then the clone decided to let Pluto live until he got in his way. Why wouldn't you just let Pluto be the guy? Why would you clone him? <laughs> to run the, the business why would a great he just, question yeah why he let him live until he got in his way what's gotten his way he just because he wouldn't sell the club yeah that's it that seems like a very minor inconvenience i mean they could have just put him out of business pretty easily here's the thing too casinos making and sit an obscene amount of money right no matter where they are if you're going to have the only gambling spot in the universe on the moon right if that's what you're going to do you're going to make so much money, you can up the $10 million offer to like $50 million. He's not turning down $50 million. And if he does, you can, again, you can sabotage his business. Right. There's a bar across the street, if memory serves me correctly. That's where they get a beer in the beginning of the movie. Yes. Right? Why don't you just buy that place and make it into a casino? Yes. Build a casino around it. Let him keep the club. It's just a stupid twist that doesn't make any sense. Clone has Pluto's memories. The henchmen bring in Bruno and Rosario. Incompetent jackasses. Even the henchmen didn't know Rex was the clone of Pluto. Rex kills Joey Pants, the cross-eyed guy. They die pathetically. Before Rex kills Pluto, he wants to show him Club Pluto model from potential acquisitions it's changed to club rex <laughs> what is this it's their new casino there's a club for ants they're circling the model pluto knocks out the fake like craps table steps on one it's hand carved wood rex creators pissed what a callback to the wood conversation from earlier right guys pluto then tackles rex they fight over the gun belcher stops the robots from grabbing the gun i don't know which one to shoot that's all this turns into is just they're fighting well, there's one, like, he goes to punch a mirror. That was so good. He punches a mirror, and then he's standing right behind it, and the other guy punches him. Two of the last three movies, we'd have someone <laughs> punch through a mirror. Tango and Cash in this. And then we just get into the whole, like, which one is which? Who do I shoot? Who do I shoot? Belcher's confused. There's a lot of shoot him, no shoot him. Pluto has the gun. He shoots Bruno to show he's not Pluto. Then the robot shoots the other ones. He falls on the button. The desk starts rotating for some reason, which I didn't understand. I thought it was a callback to another movie. I was sure Maze was going to know immediately. Oh, yeah, that's from the original Scarface that came out in 1935 when he gets shot. Like the thing is rotating or something like that. I thought that was always happening there. No, I, it's definitely a trope to have the desk button, but it just rotates the desk or just rotates the platform. That's it. Pluto sends the robots out. He lets Rosario know it's him by reciting her job as a waitress saving tips. Belcher catches on. Pluto knocks him out. He just pistol whips him in the face. <laughs> That's it. He's done. Bruno's fine because he had an undershirt on, which was armor. 
which Pluto says to always have, which he's a robot. I don't know. I don't. This is, in the beginning of the movie, they say you can fix him. I you can't fix you uh, to the henchman who yeah threatens to shoot him. Uh, then we see that Rex had a undershirt. He picks up a cable to start choking Pluto. Pluto flips him out of the window. He f- green screen falls down to a craps table. Someone yells, craps, you lose. We're back at Club Pluto for the grand reopening. Rosario is the singer. She's singing a song about getting crunked up. <laughs> it's all right. They think that crunk is going to make a, a way back to like the music lexicon, right? No, 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 no. Or I guess, I don't know. Because like Outcast endures. What's hot right now? Cool. That's it. There's no thought process of what's the future going to be like when they have, again, all the cars look like they're from the 50s. It's just, I like this word. So we're going to we'll have Rosario Dawson lip sync this song that's about being crunk. And that's it. There's a dancer behind Pluto, Michael Challenger. <laughs> so I watched this four minute reel, acting reel, <laughs> uh, before we started this podcast. He is freaking. Oh my God. This didn't make his acting reel. I'm shocked. It's probably in his dancing reel. He's a filmmaker. He's an event producer. He's a best-selling author. He's from Montreal. From where? Montreal. Montreal. Oh, I thought you were having a stroke. He earned his big break at the young age of 13, winning a national competition for MTV Mook Mix? Mooch Mix? Mooch Music? Oh, watch out. Watch out. Be, be very careful. M-U-C-H-M-U-S-I-C. Mooch Mooch. Mooch music? Mooch, mooch, mooch music? It's French, right? So it's got to be something. I don't know. That's on you, man, if you want to play that dangerous game. He's been in uh, Broadway musicals like Chicago, The Lion King, and The Producers. Oh, so this movie was filmed in Montreal. Oh, there you go. That's how we got in. It explains him, and I think it also explains our albino friend. He is freaking, though. Like, he is going to town background. Dance off our Montreal guy versus Steve Gettenberg. Who's got it? Oh. It's Steve Gettenberg. Yeah, because he's got more variety. Yeah, he's got way more variety. <laughs> Montreal uh, guy is doing the same move over yeah. and over again. It's just Well, he karate pelvic. chopped and he freaked. Oh, he karate chopped in the beginning of the movie. That's the same dude? It's the same dude. Loyal club goer. Bruno can't fuck the French-made robot because he's 110 volts and she's 220. Pluto says to go to the hardware store and get an adapter. Bruno says it just ruins it for him. Pluto asks if Bruno has seen the new bodyguard. He bought a fully loaded 78 model. Which is still... Like nine years outdated. Right. Pluto yeah. is really hard up for cash, but yet wouldn't sell his club for $10 million. Yeah, he's, I don't know. He's dedicated to the scene. Is $10 million still a lot of money in the year 2087? It can't be, right? Yeah, I don't know about the inflation on this movie. No, because you have $10,000 bills. Also, it's lunar dollars. It's not even Earth dollars because it's got the Clintons on them. Does America own the moon here? I take it from little America. That means that there are other parts of the moon. Oh, it's like a little Italy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't go back Earth, though, Zach, so it's its own government. <laughs> Bruno asks if he should start disassembling himself. Pluto says he'll need to stay together to manage the club. Bruno says that no robot has ever been in management. Bruno hugs him. Bruno can't celebrate because he's swamped with managerial work. This movie's really about robot rights. Pluto smokes a cigar, roll credits, and Immature, a.k.a. IMAX, plays over the credits. Yes. They did not endure. Mac Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants, and more that you will ever wear. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. They want you to be comfortable, so if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep it, and they will still refund you no questions asked. Not only does Mac Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well, too. 
It's good for working out, going to work, going out on dates, just everyday life. Mack Weldon really does value its loyal customers. That's why they've created the Weldon Blue Loyalty Program. Here's how it works. Create an account. It's totally free. Level 1, place an order for any amount and never pay for shipping again. Level 2, once you purchase $200 worth of products from Mack Weldon, not only will you continue to receive free shipping, but you will also start saving 20% on every order you make for the next year. Level 2 also grants you access to new products before they're released to anyone else, as well as free gifts added to future orders. I have some Mack Weldon socks, Mack Weldon underwear, and I'm wearing my Mack Weldon sweatpants right now. It's fantastic. I wear it all the time. It's a quarantine. You never leave the house. You gotta have Mack Weldon sweats. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code DING. That's promo code DING, D-I-N-G. In absolute terms, this is some of the trivia. This movie made the largest financial loss of any movie to date with a budget of $100 million, total gross of 4.4. So that was a loss of $95.59 million U.S., Lifetime was a loss of 92.8 worldwide U.S. dollars. Drop in the bucket. Full t- AOL Time Warner. Eddie Murphy poked fun at himself in an interview with Barbara Walters saying, I know two or three people that like this movie. <laughs> Alec Baldwin disliked the movie so much, he insisted on being uncredited. Like, that's just so soft. Eddie Murphy refused to promote the film. There's a difference between I'm not going to promote the movie. And in which case, by the way, what they spent twenty million dollars on? And don't 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 mention that I'm in the movie, please. Don't 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 tell people I'm in the movie. Shut up. He said the money's the only reason he took the role. I looked it up. He got seven point one million dollars for this movie. And that's confusing because he ultimately refinanced the reshoots while the film languished in post production, writing and directing many of the new scenes himself. Yeah, maybe he's full of shit. It might be. But, but again, I got I got to go back to Alec Baldwin. He's a fraud. I don't like that dude. Wow, what? I never did. He's not funny. He's not good. Huh, you didn't, didn't hear this in Along Came Polly. I didn't like. I did. I mentioned it very quietly though, like because we kept moving. But like, I don't. I don't like him. Because he hasn't watched Thirty Rocks. Yeah, yeah Thirty. Well, because he won't. Because he hates Tracy Morgan. There you go. And, and Alec Baldwin. Phenomenal. Wow. Thirty Rock is really a mean kryptonite, huh? I'm gonna go out on a limb and say he doesn't like uh, Tina Fey either. Oh, I like Tina Fey. I think she's funny. But Jack Fryer, oh, get out of here with that guy, man. Get out of here with that guy. Oh, uh, uh, I'm just gonna be like a, a very soft, nice guy the whole time in every role, and people will laugh. The only good thing he's ever been in was Wreck It Ralph. And what did he play? Oh, I'm just a nice guy who's very soft, and that's my comedic value. He's good in 30 Rock. He's good in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, too. You guys are so, like, yo, you have no sophistication to your power. Wow. You filed wow. white chicks. Wow. Oh, man. That, I, if I could take that no back now, No sophistication. By the, way. by the way, if I could take that palette. one back. If I could take that one back. Oh, yeah, based that, on this week? <laughs> yes. Get that motherfucker up out of here. The original script for this movie was written in 1985. Shows. Which just, like, all right, tack another 15 years on to all the references. Jennifer Lopez and Halle Berry were first and second choices for the role of Dina Lake. Cinephobe All-Stars. The work print version of the film ran nearly three hours, and Oscar-winning editor Alan Heim was brought in to try and fix the film. After viewing the available footage, he determined that a large portion of the film needed to be reshot, and whole new scenes added including an opening and closing sequence and in- introductory sequences for both pluto and dina eddie murphy ultimately financed those himself principal photography was hampered by constant bickering between eddie murphy ron underwood the director and the producers with murphy often overruling underwood and making on the fly rewrites causing the film to go over schedule and over budget by the way one of the producers frank capra the third pluto nash was nominated for five wait 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 hold on hold on 
is there an interesting tidbit to that that information you just gave us? Frank Capra is like Hollywood royalty, but like this is like his idiot son, I guess, who made this. his idiot son's idiot son. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Frank Capra the third. Yeah. <laughs> so is his idiot grandson? Yes. Okay. No, he did. Pluto Nat. He was in. He was in Firestarter. He wasn't in it. He was part of Miscellaneous Crew. <laughs> Hold on, this dude. Wait, this no, dude. No, no, no. We're not. We're not. No, IMDb no, no, no. This dude has Frank a fucking resume. Okay, this dude has a resume. <laughs> Try to get out of here, guys. I got all the brothers tickets. <laughs> <laughs> My cousin Venny, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, Bram Stoker's Dracula, A Few Good Men, Distinguished Gentlemen, Fatherhood, uh, what else? <laughs> You're running out of gas. Eraser, <laughs> Bullworth, Jack Frost, Mighty Joe Young, uh, Adventures of Pluto Nash. Wait, you're giving me Hitch. a lot of like, these are all It's a lot shit. of first assistant first director, assistant director, no. director. Yeah. What is he? What has Hitch, he done? The Bucket List. Cop second out? Y- second unit Cop director. Out? Cop out. R.I.P.D. Triple X. Return of Xander Cage. Fate of the Furious. This dude puts out bangers. R.I.P.D. <laughs> That's all you have to say. <laughs> R.I.P.D. is one of the movies we've connected to the most. It won't. I won't do it. I'll quit. I'll, I'll quit the show. Zach, you think show. that I'm here? I'll trying to trying I, to make I, you upset and, the show. and kick you. You don't think that I know? I won't be upset. What button to push? I won't be upset what if you pick RPD. What button to push as I die and I will, roll over the desk? I won't be upset if I if you pick RPD because I will quit the show peacefully. Maze, this is what you do. You wait till we're on the train, <laughs> and we're in the middle of no. We're in the middle of nowhere, like right, like across the Mojave <laughs> Desert. That's when you pull. walk it, like. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? I will go to my dry ass grave in the desert before I watch that fucking movie off that train. Okay? You think I won't? You think I'm just, you think these are just fun and games? Oh, what a funny little shtick. He won't watch. I will die in the desert before I watch that fucking movie again. I will become vulture food. I will run myself into a cactus. I will cover myself in scorpions. Are you, you're going to jump from a moving train? Yes. Like fucking throw mama from the chain. <laughs> Pluto Nash was nominated for five Golden Raspberry Awards in 2003. Worst picture, worst actor, worst director, worst screenplay, and worst screen couple, Murphy and himself, cloned, but failed to win any. It was later nominated for worst comedy at the 25th golden raspberry awards in 2005 but lost to you guessed it Gili. joe pantoliano said you usually can't tell when a movie is going to be shit but on that one you could and i think ron underwood the director got victimized by that because that guy is good but because of the material and the style in which some players came to work we were off the mark you know a lot of hanky panky going on there so i wasn't surprised i was surprised it turned out to be better than I thought it was going to be. I'm always amazed by, like, do people who are making bad movies know they're making bad movies when they make it? If you remember, we had our secret source who had worked on Gotti. Yeah. Who told us absolutely everybody knew this movie was going to be terrible. I wonder if that's true of most awful movies. 
Golden Dumpster nominees, Randy Quaid as Bruno the 63 Deluxe, Pam Greer as Pluto shit-talking mama, John Cleese as James the Hologram Driver, Alec Baldwin shoving a photographer, Luis Guzman as Felix Laranga, and the horny slot machine. Oh, I'm going off the board here. My Golden Dumpster is... <laughs> Don't grab that one. Grab the other wires. Long pause. What's plan B, Tony? <laughs> like that, that scene right there. If if I could salvage one thing out of this godforsaken movie, it would be well, it would be probably Rosario Dawson and Pam Greer, but also that scene. I guess I'm gonna go the dancer, oh, Michael yeah, Challenger. Cool. Yeah, his name is Challenger. <laughs> Michael Challenger. <laughs> Michael Challenger. We have a new Challenger. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going Michael Challenger. What about you, Maze? I'm going Alec Baldwin shoving a photographer just like he did in real life. <laughs> Oops, I didn't see the stairs there. My favorite part of the story is that it was citizen's arrest, which I didn't think That's worked. not a real thing, is it? <laughs> that is not a real I thing. I didn't think so. That's something that you do in the movies, but yeah. it's not a real thing. Well, actually, it is a real thing. It's a thing that white people do all the time. We are really good at people it, actually. Yeah. We, have, we, have, we have jurisdiction. Living their lives, yeah. We are doing citizen's arrest or having a barbecue. Uh, I mean, Foberfile. Oh, yeah. This is a windmill, 360-degree, no-look, uh, alley-oop, off-the-bounce-between-the-legs, Fob. Like, it's not the worst movie we've watched. It's not the worst worst maze pick we've watched. But it is definitely on par with the worst maze pick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's certainly up there. It's funny. Like, we gave Ike so much shit over over Theodore Rex, but Maze is just as much of a terrorist. If even more so. Because if you give Ike one more chance, he probably... I'm a sleeper cell. Suggest something that's... He'll get to 50%, right? Like, he'll suggest something that's not that bad. Maze is consistent. Consistent. Fucking hate you. This is where he's... This is where he points out, guys, I picked Long Came Polly. Doesn't count. (laughs) You also did Ballistic. You did Scary Movie 3. Spencer Confidential. Really like Jesus he, did, he did. What was the one he did that was like Earth. a a Jupiter ascending, hot rod, Jupiter ascending. He did oh, white chicks. Rod. Yeah, midway through this movie, I I thought I was the one who picked it. And I was like, why did I pick this? <laughs> and then I remembered, <laughs> oh yeah, it wasn't me. It was me. Yeah, this is this is just a, this is a phobe. I'm offended for Gili. I'm retroactively offended for Gili because that got picked as the worst movie over this movie back when two thousand whatever. That's not. That should not be the case. This movie's so much worse. Well, it comes down to me, and I always wanted to watch this movie because I knew that it was one of the most historic box office bombs of all time, bringing back a measly seven million dollars <laughs> lifetime gross. And much like my friend Joe Pantoliano, I was surprised it turned out to be better than I thought it was going to be. And I'm going to file this movie. No, see, like, you're just doing this on purpose. There's no part of this movie. There was no part of... I know the movies that you've liked, Maze. The movies that you like, you can't shut the fuck up for five minutes. Every five minutes, you're chiming in. You didn't like this, ha! And then you're, you're screaming quotes. Your joy is unbridled. None of that shit happened, this one. None of that shit. You had zero enthusiasm for this. I know you normally forget the podcast after you do it, but seems like you might have forgotten during the podcast this time i did the same thing that i always do i shouted quotes i was laughing Here's the no thing. you didn't 
here's the Did thing, he? base. Here's the thing. Is that when we're on the train and you pick RIPD, if you think I'm not dragging your lifeless body through the desert before I die out there, you're out of your mind. <laughs> Better pack a step stool, bitch. <laughs> Next time we make love, you introduce me to Jade. is your pick next Ooh, just found out that this is available on hulu a million ways to die in the west wow literally last week on twitter someone suggested this to amin and he said i've been waiting for it to be free and i said take your time look i've watched it before i laughed i was shocked it didn't do well uh i want to see if i watch it again you know, given that's been like six years or whatever, will I still? Have, I look. I'm an unabashed Seth MacFarlane fan. I love a Family Guy. I love American Dad. I like Ted. I didn't love Ted, but I liked it. So, I, uh, to me, I, I'm this is definitely in my bag. But we'll see. We'll see if I remember it correctly. I was kind of hoping you pick Cowboys and Aliens. We can do that the week after. Officially, the longest movie title. Instead of history. A Million Ways to Die in the West? Yep. Uh, awesome. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh.